How about them nuggets? No, I'm not talking about chicken nuggets. By the way, how did it get to a point where chicken nuggets were in the shape of dinosaurs? Back when our kids were little, probably any of you that have little kids or yourself when you were little, that's kind of all people would eat, all kids would eat. But how they ever got into the shape of dinosaurs, I have no idea. That just doesn't seem like real meat. But uh, kids would choke it down and restaurants would charge you a premium. So uh, I guess it all worked. Now I'm talking about my very own hometown Denver Nuggets. I wanted to wait to do this podcast till today, hoping that they won the world NBA title, which they did, which was fantastic. And for those of you that are not NBA fans, I get it. I'm more of a college basketball fan, but um, the Nuggets truly are fun to watch and they have arguably the best player on the planet on their team and a guy named Nikola Jokic from Serbia. And uh, he is just unbelievable to watch. Uh, looks extremely unathletic. He always looks tired. He's seven feet tall and he's pretty much a point guard and he's unstoppable. The coolest thing I thought is after they won, it's in Denver, crowds going crazy, confetti falling from the sky, and Jokic goes to every single Miami Heat player and shakes their hand. To the point you see on TV, he's tapping guys on the shoulders for Miami that obviously didn't get into the game or probably haven't even played a while. And they were surprised that he was offering to shake their hands. Only after he got to everybody did he go and celebrate with his team. Truly a class act, and and he is just a stud. Probably wondering, what did you trip across? No, this is not a sports gambling website, podcast, radio show. Uh, my name is Johnny B, and this is FinBits, which is financial bits of education that I try and provide each week that hopefully will help you make better personal finance decisions and probably more importantly, avoid making the wrong decisions. A couple of things I want to talk about today, and then we'll get into what we talked about last week. But uh, as I put the title, this one is Don't Gamble With Your Retirement. And I wanted to start with sports betting. And full disclosure, I am not a sports better. Uh, I, I hate going to Vegas. I just hate losing money. Always have, probably always will. So all the sports gambling has come about over the last 10 years is unbelievable. It's comical that five years ago, everyone was frowning on sports betting. It was all done under the table. Now the apps and websites, uh, it seems like every radio show or podcast is talking more about handicapping sports and sports betting as opposed to the real content of what happened in the game. So it's, it's fairly annoying to me. But sports betting, it's a problem. So for example, the 2023 Super Bowl had almost $1 billion wagered on the game. $1 billion. Uh, it's an estimate from a lot of sports betting sites. As far as the NBA Finals this past two weeks, uh, I'm sure it was in the hundreds of millions of, of sports betting. And here's why it's an issue. In an article that I found in Kiplinger Magazine, magazine Sports betting is booming on college campuses. Two thirds of the students age 18 to 22 live on campus say they're betters, 
with many say they bet on a high frequency, according to a survey by the NCAA. I mean, are you kidding me? I barely had enough for Cheez-Its, Oreos, and beer, much less sports betting. And two-thirds say that they are betting. Uh, it's all across the U.S., and it doesn't matter if it's illegal or, or in age-restricted in some states. People are finding a way to bet. There's also, obviously, evidence of problem gaming, gambling. 16% admitted they've engaged in at least one risky betting behavior. 6% admitted they've lost more than $500 in a single day. Again, these are college kids. You know, I was trying to piece together rent and food, and they're losing $500 in a day. 70% of risky gamblers say they believe consistent sports gambling will increase their monetary earnings. Let me say that again. 70% of risky gamblers think that by gambling is going to increase the amount of money they make. That is awful. So I tied this together with don't gamble with your retirement. You know, I can't stop people from sports betting. I think it's going to happen no matter what. But just like when you go to Vegas, I would advise you, beg you, have a certain amount you want to lose when you're betting. And maybe it's a certain amount each year or each month and say that you're going to wager, I'm going to call it conservative, $100 a month. Once you lose $100, you're out. No more betting till the next month. I know a lot of people bet a lot more than that, but you have to have table stakes somewhere. And sports betting, unfortunately, is you know is going right into your investments. Millennials and Gen Z are gambling to some degree with their retirements. And you see that with some of the investments that they make. And, and my goal is to always help you think about and build a really boring retirement plan that hopefully will get you to the finish line when you're 65, 67, or whenever you decide to hang it up. Now, let me back up. Now, who is FinBits for? It's for you know people who want to learn about financial topics, including investing and personal finance issues like insurance and all these other things. And uh, But it's pretty boring if you find some other places. So I try to liven it up with a little bit of entertainment, hopefully a little bit of dad humor and just my comments along the way. I would assume if you're in your 20s and 30s, you have a lot of questions and you don't know where to go for answers. But also if you're in your 50s and 60s, it could change how you think about things and how you relay it on to maybe your adult kids. Uh, if you're in middle school, you probably won't find this podcast very entertaining. Uh, kindergartners, you might find it entertaining. I don't know. So let's talk about, before we get into how to not gamble and, and build the, the right portfolio, let's talk about what has happened in the last week as far as the markets. Now, in the last week, the debt deal was completed and uh, Joe Biden in the White House and Congress uh, made all buddy-buddy and they got it all sewn up. And Well, what does that really mean? It just means that it's one thing that's checked off the list, but it doesn't mean that you should uh, think there's not something else on the horizon. Right now, the markets have kind of been moving like a crab, kind of moving side to side. Not really sure if the markets are going to go up or down. And if you think you're going to go, think they're going to go up, you can research online and find any number of people that say, yeah, the markets are on the right way up. And on the flip side, you'll find someone, if you think markets are in for a world of hurt, you can find someone that'll back up 
whatever your theory is. But right now, it's just kind of doing a crab walk. Uh, markets are kind of staying in a certain range. Uh, the S&P 500, which again is the 500 largest U.S. companies, uh, a good representation of the U.S. markets. For the quarter, it's up almost 5%, 4.95. Year-to-date, it's up just under 13%. So S&P 500, which historically, over the long haul, has averaged around 10%. Well, not even halfway through the year, it's up almost 13%. So it's kind of knocking it out of the park to start, but uh, we got a long ways to go. Another index to look at is the MSCI EFI which is a good representation of the international developed markets. So think of everybody but the U.S. Uh, quarter to date, it's up a little over 2%. And year to date, it's up just under 11%, 10.89. So also doing pretty well. The big winner in the equity markets, though, is the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ has is, is always been uh, more tech company focused. And the tech companies got slammed last year. And think of the big ones, you know, the Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, uh, every, everybody else that's, everyone's in tech these days. But NASDAQ uh, got hammered last year. It is a little bit more volatile because it has a lot of growth oriented companies. But quarter to date it is up 8.68%. And for the year, it's up over 27%. Now, it hardly seems that that can be sustainable for the whole year, but it certainly has got off to a roaring start. And um, one other thing I heard recently is companies after each quarter have an earnings call. And so the first quarter ends and for the last month or two, companies have had an earnings call, which are really boring to listen to. If you ever want to jump on one, uh, anybody can listen in. So for any major company, you'll have the CEO, probably the CFO and some other prominent people talk about what happened in the last quarter, what they expect for the next quarter, what they expect for the next several quarters, you know, just a little bit of just a, a guessing game. And that tends to move their stock price one way or another. But an interesting fact is 40% of the companies that had earnings calls at some point during the earnings call mentioned artificial intelligence. It doesn't matter if it was a toilet paper company or if it was an electric car company, almost everybody, well, almost half of everybody mentioned artificial intelligence. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny and it seemed to move the stock price one way or the other, if nothing else, just short term. So NASDAQ has done really well. We'll see if it can hold up. Uh, on the fixed income side, the US ag, which is kind of a broad representation of the bond market. Uh, quarter to date, it's flat, a little bit negative, down about 1%. In year to date, it's up uh, just over 2%. So kind of bumping along, as you would think the bond market would do. And then finally, the kind of conservative look at things, the 10-year U.S. Treasuries, uh, the current yield is hovering around 3.75%, uh, which is really good. Because if you look three years ago, June of 2020, the 10-year Treasury was paying 084 uh, on the yield side. So it's gone up about three percentage points. Uh, if you want a place to park your conservative money. And that treasury kind of moves with the, the Fed funds rate. So who knows what it's going to do going forward. All right. So last week we talked about target date funds. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. I know. And target date funds, again, are 
funds that typically show up in your 401k retirement plan. And it gives you an easy way to pick where to put all of your retirement investments. Target a fund. If you are, let's say you're a Gen Z and you're 25 years old, um, a target date fund might say target date 2060, which means around the year 2060, which sounds like, you know, crazy ways away. Um, it would invest everything um, probably more aggressively as, as you're younger, but as you get older, it starts to get more conservative automatically. So it takes a lot of the, the brain damage out of picking individual funds. If you were 30 years old, kind of on the younger side of millennials, there might be a target date 2055 or 2050. Again, those are designed to be uh, you know, fairly conservative as you get towards retirement but they change every couple of years automatically the allocation changes. So there's pluses and minuses. It does have a higher expense ratio because it costs something uh, to package that in there, but it's okay. It's, it keeps it kind of boring. At least it gets you started. And, and that's really the goal is I want you to, to get started uh, in your 401k. So we talk about sports betting and gambling and what I don't want, anyone to do is gamble with your retirement accounts. You know, if you're into sports betting and do a little bit of that, can't stop you. But with your investments, you, you really don't want to roll the dice. The likelihood that you or anybody is going to pick the next Amazon or Microsoft um, is, or Tesla for that matter, is, is highly, highly unlikely. And more money is lost trying to pick those than is, than is gained. So really from an asset allocation standpoint, it's, it's usually best for the masses. And uh, that includes all of us. Warren Buffett, legendary investor, uh, doesn't even want his adult kids who are in their 70s. He says they shouldn't even pick individual securities. They should just use you know, large mutual funds or large uh, ETFs, exchange traded funds that give you a broad representation of the market. But I want to go one step deeper. In a previous podcast, several weeks ago, I talked about whether you should put money into a Roth 401k or a traditional 401k. It kind of depends on your age, but I, I think you should probably do both. If you're on the younger side, you might put a little more than half in a Roth 401k and a little less in a traditional 401k, split it up. If you're getting um, a little grayer or less hair like myself, you know, maybe you have you know, 60, 70% in a traditional IRA and maybe 30% in a Roth, you know, something like that. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. So, so do your own research. But the biggest thing to, to add to this is to contribute to your 401k and increase it every year if you can. So the goal, according to a, um, a study, the goal is to add about 15% a year, 15% of your income towards retirement every year. So that includes any matching contributions or profit sharing that your employer might, uh, might make to your workplace retirement account, either a 401k or 403b. So let's, let's do some easy math. So let's say that you are making $50,000 a year. Well, 15% of your income is $7,500 a year. 
if you are making a hundred grand, well, 15% of your income is 15 grand a year. So wherever you fall in between those, try and contribute 15%. So again, 10 or 12% of that might be your own contributions. And then 3% or more might be your employer with a match or something like that. 15% is, is a pretty good goal. And, and now I know it's hard to start out at 15%, especially when you're just getting into the workforce and you just got your first apartment and you're trying to find a couch and coffee maker and Nutribullet for all your smoothies, you know, all the important stuff. But um, the earlier you can get started, as I've said a thousand times, the better with your retirement savings. So let's say that you can only put in 5%. That's okay. At least get to where the match is for your employer. And then the goal would be to add at least 1% a year. And if you look at your 401k plan or 403b plan, you can do that automatically. Most plans will offer, you know, an automatic increase at the start of each year of 1%. So maybe you start at seven or 8% and you just add 1% a year. Fantastic. Cause, cause here's what can change. Let's say that you add, increase your contribution. Let's say you're 35 years old. You're earning $60,000 a year and you want to increase your contribution by 1% a year all the way until you reach a retirement age of about 67. If you add 1% a year with just a basic growth rate of 4% on your portfolio, then, and also your, your salary is increasing, that's an additional $85,000 by the time you hit retirement just by 1% a year, which is less than $12 a week. Unbelievable. If you're 45, then it's less than $14 a week. And if you're 55, it's $16 a week. But you can see the earlier you can start, the much better and just set it and forget it. So hopefully that helps. I've had many people ask me, how much should I be saving for retirement? Well, again, I would target a goal of 15%. And if you can do that and increase it by 1% each year, then fantastic. Now, some folks who are gig workers um, or just don't have a 401k at work, you're with a smaller employer, you can absolutely start your own IRA and you can put in about 65, well, exactly $6,500 a year in 2023. And you can set that up with any major custodian and, uh, and again, that's, that's not that much. It won't get you to retirement, but at least it's something. So hopefully that helps. I think, uh, it's, you know, a target of 15% and then increasing at 1% each year is, is certainly a worthwhile goal. All right. So what's, what's your takeaway? What's your go bid is, is number one, don't gamble with your investments. If you end up choosing a target date fund, fantastic. And then your go bid is to go see what are you invested in and see if you can increase it 1% each year or immediately. My guess is, is if you increase it 1%, you're not even going to miss the difference, uh, which is fantastic. And your future self, your 67 year old self, that's, you know, sitting on the golf cart, driving around, looking for your golf ball, 
that 67 year old is going to thank you because you started this, you know, 40 years ago. All right. Hopefully that helps. I think uh, everyone's celebrating the Nuggets win. Hopefully they have made it back home by now. And I think there's a parade in a couple of days I got to get ready for. But uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great week.